Okay, we should be recording now, um, and that means we can just, you know, start talking. And look, first of all, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time for this uh, podcast. It's been a while since we spoke, um, and our last conversation was quite, quite insightful. And I'm super keen to unpack your, you know, the recent experience you've had since uh, moving into Point Nine, and and sort of the crazy year, you could say, mm-hmm. year and a half we we've had uh, since we. We last spoke. I mean, so much has changed. Some things have remained the same. But look, keen to see how things are with you and uh, how things have developed. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Firstly, um, yeah, definitely lots, lots changed. Mine. I think when we spoke last, I was at Newbank still. I was consulting there, focused predominantly on leadership hiring in the, the kind of lead up to their their IPO, um, and then complete change for me. Ultimately, I, I went permanent um, and moved to a venture capitalist called Blossom based in London with a, uh, a focus on Europe and, and Series A. Um, VC was something that I was always interested in, I think, for many, many years. Um, but ultimately, there wasn't, I don't think, a ton of opportunity for talent people in VC, maybe a couple of people who are pretty well known in industry. Um, so, was at Blossom for around a year or so, learned a ton there, um, had really good time, worked with amazing founders. I think but one of the things I realized was that, you know, to have the impact that I wanted to have um, at a large scale, I wanted to go kind of earlier on in the in the funding stages, right? And I think one of the things that's different about point nine um, is that there's a focus predominantly on seed stage. There's definitely more of a, a global view in terms of uh, where they invest. Um, and then also, I think that that kind of like tight knit relationship and community that you have with founders uh, just would afford me that opportunity ultimately to get a little bit closer and, and focus on some of their uh, their talent challenges and, and help them solve for some of those. Yeah, I agree. When you're working, like I can just draw from my own experience where you're working with a seed or Series A funded company. At that stage, I don't know if that's sort of what you're experiencing or have experienced in the past, but a lot of times it's a case of, okay, uh, they don't have a, uh, an ATS system, so you got to set that up. They don't quite have that interview process just yet or a way to source candidates or values, and it's still sort of discovering those so, such important components of a talent function that ideally you want to really set the foundations at that moment and not wait till like you're 50 100 employees and by then it's you know the wild west and people are mm-hmm. just using your company as a revolving door you know your people are joining yeah. and in six months it's like oh this is not for me and mishires and everything i don't know if that's sort of your your experience when recruiting for for early stage companies like that yeah i think that like one of the things that that interested me and in, i guess like why vc and then also further to that why earlier stage to stage in particular is I, I consulted for for quite a while i think we covered some of that when we last spoke um and one of the things that i would see is you know companies who are much later on um which is where i tended to come in and a lot of what you were doing was trying to to fix things right through years of i guess talent debt is the, the best terminology we can use here right um so maybe the ats wasn't fit for purpose wasn't fit for the scale but it hadn't been looked at changed maybe sourcing strategies hiring plans all of those kinds of things 
hadn't really been given quite the level of thought and attention that maybe they should have done or people were trying to to kind of fix the plane as it flies right so to speak mm. um, and I think one of the things that interested me and and certainly to kind of echo what you're saying there is if you came much earlier on in that cycle and you implemented some of those things and you taught founders and their teams how to hire and how to do these things right the first time um how much better would that look as they mature as a business, right? Um, so I think that's one of the things that interested me. And then one of the things that I obviously partner with our, our founders on. And I think in terms of that that talent maturity and, and founders and, and teams, I think often I may be one of the first talent people they've ever spoken to, right? Certainly for their business, if not like ever. Um, there's a, a range of different kind of hiring maturities, I would say, with, with any VC and the founders um, that they partner with. Um, but yeah, mine is about my role, I should say, is about kind of setting those foundations and that agenda earlier on to get them thinking about how is it best to approach this, right? Because fundamentally, if you don't have the right talent in your business, you're probably not going to go on to, to build an enduring company. Of course, absolutely. Well, that's maybe a nice segue. So I wanted to discuss the one of the, the key things I wanted to discuss with you was, okay, VCs and working at a VC and also um, I suppose what it's like recruiting for a VC, right? Because generally speaking, um, you know, have, uh, only until recently have I encountered such roles that it's like you're recruiting for a VC. And uh, generally speaking, I would think, oh, people generally just recruit for a company. But I've seen a couple of VCs where it's like, okay, I'm assuming maybe you're at the VC and you're recruiting for the portfolio companies or something along those lines. Like, what is it like as a recruiter at a at a VC? Uh, what's What's your impression of that? Yeah, interesting, interesting points there. I think a couple of things to unpack, right? Um, so I think first thing, like 100%, you're, you're right in terms of the VC talent role outside of a, a couple of people hasn't really existed in Europe um, at large, I would say. Um, it's been been a couple of funds maybe who have had very experienced people doing it. I think increasingly VCs have have started to understand like actually this is really important. We should invest in this from a, from an operational perspective. Like it can bring a ton of value to our founders and startups. Uh, so let's bring someone on board to do that. Now I think the one thing that I would say is that there is from my perception anyway, and obviously I can't speak for every fund. Uh, but there's no standardization, right, of, of what the, the VC talent role looks like. And I think some will focus a little bit more on, let's say, the executive search piece, for example. Some will focus on how do I hire your first few engineers and maybe your first product manager or designer. Um, and then others are, are kind of more on that pure high-level advisory type type piece, maybe in, in boards and, and kind of giving steer um, at a higher level. I think if I look at my role, um, it's I wouldn't say it's a pure combination of those factors. I would say it's less the hands-on recruiting, to be honest with you. Probably sits somewhere between like, how do I help them build the talent infrastructure? So by that, I'm talking about resources, tools. So, you know, how does a company have a tool for building headcount planning, for example, or prioritization? Um, how do they think about structured interviewing processes and feedback? And then coupled with trainings, right? So maybe going in and training a particular team on um, how they should think about interviewing the do's and don'ts. You know, some of this stuff sounds pretty basic, but uh, I think it needs to be covered off at an early stage. Then there's some advisory pieces that come in there. 
Um, and that, generally speaking, founders are pretty smart people. Um, and to be honest with you, they're usually looking for some form of sort of validation, um, to be fair. And then the last part, I would say, is kind of a combination of community and what I would say is network, right? So whilst I don't like proactively hire, I think I will leverage my network if there's a particular position, one of our, our portfolio or family, as we, we call them, are hiring for. And there's someone I know that would be great for that. Obviously, I'll facilitate the intro. And I'm constantly building that community and network myself um to make sure that you know i know who the right people are to speak to even if that's just a plug into one of the portfolio to give them a reference or point for what they should be looking for in a particular type of hire so i guess that's kind of my role in a nutshell but there is no standardization from what i see across the industry and in terms of like key stakeholders i mean for regular i suppose regular i say regular recruiters you know but i suppose it's generally a hiring manager is, you know, uh, just a manager like a head of engineering or, uh, you know, marketing director. But I'm assuming if you're working for a VC, you're talking to a, a very different type of person, generally speaking, right? Like what's, mm -hmm. what are, what's the stakeholder management like in your experience? So typically, it's usually founder-led, right? Or it might be like CTO. Um, you generally tend to find there's usually like a tech co-founder in, in most businesses that I've engaged with anyway in the past. Um, so yeah, you're, you're going in direct at that at that level. I think, you know, it's not to say that we don't support past a certain point. I think we're always there to, to support and help the companies that we invest in. But ultimately, as that company matures and they have, I don't know, a head of talent, for example, maybe that support rolls back just purely because maybe they don't need me quite as much uh, anymore as they as they once did, right? So uh, yeah, definitely much more around the, the kind of founder relationship. And I think the other thing I would say is, you know, internally, I look at the, the investment partners uh, within Point Nine, for example, and, and they're kind of my stakeholders as well, right? And they'll look to me to, to steer on particular topics. And maybe it's something that I don't need to be involved in. It's a quick yes, no type answer. Um, so it's a it's a true partnership between kind of those two people plus myself, right? What are what what in your opinion have been, you know, with VCs that you've worked with, um, you know, what are the highs and lows? What's what are the best aspects of uh, or your favorite, most engaging, most, you know, uh, what's a good way of putting it like most what's a good way of putting it like um, most amazing parts of working at a like at a VC or with VCs versus what's the most difficult, challenging part uh, in your opinion? Uh, a couple of things. Probably the amazing parts are, I mean, I get to speak to super smart founders on on like a daily, a weekly basis, right? Um, and that's that's pretty exciting. I get like real exposure across a, a wide array of different businesses, which for me, again, is really interesting, exciting. Um, and then I think when you're speaking with a founder and you know, they start to build that knowledge around talent and how it works. And that kind of sounds strange to say, but it's like newfound respect, right? I think, look, we've all been there and and kind of seen posts where recruiters, talent acquisition professionals get bashed across social media. And I think, you know, having founders being like, wow, I didn't realize this was so involved or, you know, this is really insightful and it is really going to help us to grow in a sustainable um, and kind of high bar hiring way, right? I think, that kind of stuff is is real real kind of high leverage and and something that i enjoy a lot 
the I wouldn't say low points, the biggest challenges, you know, when I think about, you know, point nine's portfolio, family, it's a hundred plus companies, right? And how do I scale as one person to serve the needs of that many companies, right? I think, you know, a lot of talent acquisition professionals will maybe service one, two main areas, right? And that's not to say there's not a ton of headcount that you're you're working across um within those particular areas, but you know, serving the needs of, you know, that many founders can be challenging and you need to think about strategies for how to cope with that. And, and that's tough within itself. And I don't think you can ever please all of the people all of the time. Um, but it's about ultimately making sure that that partnership runs as smoothly as possible and you're facilitating that growth uh, from a talent learning perspective as much as possible, right? But it's a challenge. Of course, of course. Um, and just, just to get some context, just to see if I understand, and uh, would a VC recruiter generally recruit for the portfolio companies, right? Like, so you're, uh, would you say you're rich? Or I, I suppose you mentioned you're not necessarily doing the sourcing, right? But mm -hmm. when you are like, is it like talking to candidates to, for these portfolio companies? Or... I do, I do a bit of that. I think, to be honest with you, you know, like the, our, our portfolio is, is pretty well known. It's on our site. And I think people will talk to me more to understand kind of who are the interesting companies who might be hiring. So mm -hmm. rather than necessarily pitching specifically this company or that company, it's more around this is how our portfolio sits within market. These are the types of companies there. You let me know the types of companies you'd be interested in. Right. And I can facilitate intros on that. Um, so my role, I would say, is a little bit more focused around the, the kind of infrastructure and advisory piece, right? So one-on-one -on -one with founders, like how do they think about compensation for remote is probably a good example of something that comes up a lot, right? And do they go with the one particular salary band across Europe or do they do it via, you know, a price index or whatever it may be, right? Of course, of course. But look, that brings me into into an interesting topic, which is sort of the broader hiring sort of tech, uh, or maybe even in your case, the broader SaaS market, right? Because I believe, at least in your current experience, you focus a lot on, on SaaS um, companies. Um, now, this, this might not relate directly to your experience. It's more just sort of what I'm what I'm seeing in the market and feedback I'm getting from candidates. So just just a little anecdote that I that I think we discussed mm -hmm. last time we we caught up briefly. But um, uh, okay, coming back to like VCs and funding, right? So I was talking to this um, candidate who's uh, uh, a director um, at another company, and they were looking to make a move, and and I asked why, and they told me, well. Okay, so I'm leading this team, this very large team, mm -hmm. and I need um, uh, managers to help me lead those teams, right? And that means that I need to get a bigger budget to be able to hire these people. But when I spoke to uh, investors, they told me, "Hey, actually, we're we're not um, for whatever reason they the the the, the investors couldn't provide the." the funding or the uh, budget the director needed to make those hires. Um, and now this person is like quite overworked and looking mm -hmm. to to make a move. And I guess you see this maybe on LinkedIn, you know, on LinkedIn, it's um, a lot of, but, and I'll openly say, it, you know, it's a lot of panicky and, and not necessarily, some of it might be panicky. Some of it might be justified, right? Like just posts mm -hmm. that um, are talking about, uh, you know, companies that um, uh, have have not received funding or have received funding, but they need to make redundancies. Mm -hmm. um, 
or or slowing down um well long story short so so you know some some mm -hmm. stuff you know in terms of funding in the news right what's just curious to know what's what's been sort of your experience or what's your take on the current sort of hiring and i suppose maybe specifically the the SaaS market um you know from speaking to either uh senior stakeholders candidates or just you know observing what's what's going on in your personal opinion yeah for sure in, in my personal opinion there's a couple of things and i see these posts and i i think you know much as i was touching on talent acquisition getting getting bashed across you know social mm -hmm. media i think there is a fair amount of vc and investor bashing that has been going on and i think it's Look, if I'm honest with you, largely people who who don't necessarily understand or, or connect the dots behind how the ecosystem works, and and that's not to say that I'm an expert by any stretch of the imagination. There are probably people who are far better to uh, to comment on this kind of thing. But from my perspective, I think ultimately, you know, VCs aren't on these kind of grim reapers who come in with big scythes and saying, right, you've got to cut, you know, sixty percent of your team, and that's it ultimately a good VC and a good investor is there to partner with the founder. They invest in the founder, they invest in the vision of the founder and the business, right? The founder needs to be the person who makes those kind of smart decisions on how to elongate the life of their business, right? Um, so I think that's one thing to, to note, which is kind of this common misconception. Now, ultimately, if you're looking at funding dynamics at the moment, again, plenty written on this better than I can articulate. Um, but fundamentally, you know, funding has to an extent slowed down. If you're looking at maybe needing to to raise another round of funding soon, that may take a little bit longer, right? Where whilst VCs kind of try and work out where the market is landing, maybe doing a little bit more due diligence than they did um during the kind of investment frenzy that's happened over the past few years. Um, and if you're looking at that and you're a business and you're a founder and, you know, you're thinking, I don't know, I've got six, seven months runway, for example, and my burn rate, which is the amount, obviously, that your company is spending on on a variety of different things, um, is pretty high. How do I extend that runway if it's going to take me longer to fund? Then ultimately, you know, layoffs are going to be something that is brought up, right, and and kind of discussed. And I think one of the uh, or another misconception there is, is the, this kind of like mentality that, that founders don't care. And, and it's almost like this brutality of numbers. Right. And I think there are good ways and bad ways to deal with these situations. We've all heard the stories of people logging onto Zoom, being told they don't have a job and they're being picked out of systems. And that is not the right way to do things. Um, and I would question those founders, to be quite honest with you anyway, and, and the advice that they've been given. Um, which is a, a pretty stark opinion for myself. But anyway, um, I think ultimately, from my own experience and from knowing companies who have had to make cuts and founders who have had to do that, it's really painful, right? Like, I think when you work in a startup, you generally are like a bit of a, a family unit as, uh, as much as that's kind of uh, branded as like a toxic culture, right? But you are, you work together, you spend a lot of time together, you're building something together. Um, and founders do care about their employees. And VCs actually don't want to see the investment in growth that uh, founders have made in the talent function, not specifically talent acquisition, but the company as a whole, um, just be cut down, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a last resort, not a kind of first easy call to make. Um, so I think there's there's a number of kind of misconceptions that happen out there in the in the wild, and it's easy to point the finger, and I think maybe investors are, are taking it on the chin a little bit at, at the moment. Um, but ultimately, these decisions aren't made easily. They are very much fought through, 
um, and people try to retain as many people as possible in their business. But often founders might be faced with a choice of, I don't know, that two months from laying off maybe 6% of a workforce, as brutal and as, as numeric as this sounds, could be the difference between every single person in that company losing their job or 6% of the people in that company losing their job, right? And so it's, you know, uh, I, can't, I can't put this in a nice way. It's it's a sacrifice of the few for the for the greater good of the many sometimes in, in that situation. Um, and it's not necessarily just the VC who is driving that. They are advising the founder who is making those calls. Um, so, yeah, it sounds a bit doom and gloom, but um, I, I think that's kind of my personal perception on, on things that are going on. And in terms of, like, hiring, to, to put a little bit of a lighter end note on that, there is still plenty of uh, of companies, certainly within our portfolio, who are still hiring, still going through, you know, huge expansions, still growing. They may be a little bit more careful. They're being a bit more kind of considered around the impact of, uh, of funding dynamics at the moment. Um, but I think that there's plenty to be positive out there about. Um, but I think, you know, those articles aren't clipped on as much, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, you know, on that misconception of, Oh, you know, um, uh, oh, you know, the, the first thing you think if you see posts on LinkedIn of people being made redundant is you want to empathize with the people posting these, these messages. And, and, and yeah, it's definitely horrible. And hopefully these people find great companies that they can join. Um, but, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, and it's tough for us to empathize with founders, you know, me personally, mm-hmm. like it's tough, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know, when, when I see a founder post about having to make layoffs or where, when I hear about, um, uh, founders doing these video layoffs, I think it was, what was mm. it? Better.com? What was it? Yeah, or something. one of those? I think it was, yeah. Something yeah, like that. Um, and you think like, oh, what were you, what were you thinking? Right. Um, mm. but I mean, there, it's kind of tough to really think about a good way to, to do this at the same time. I don't know. It's, it's, a uh, it's a tough one. Um, I guess you probably saw very recently, like a couple of weeks ago, there were there was the post of around the the crying CEO mm, that, yeah. uh, uh, and I checked the company, like it was like a twenty person company or something like that, mm. and it blew up and probably became the most liked post on the history of LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. and this uh, and you know for the people listening, it was this guy that posted um, some. I think it was an American founder or mm-hmm. something about having to lay off people and he posted a picture of himself crying basically yeah um which at, at first i was like oh this guy you know making mm-hmm. it about himself but then after a while i was like well you know um um slightly unrelated but uh it should be okay to to talk about sadness or your feelings or um you know the struggle and 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 the emotions that go into this um so maybe that was one way of of dealing with it it's tough like how do you put yourself in in this position and and try to and say like you know if i was in the same situation i don't think i'd be able to react in any better way right um now i guess uh to put a more uh, and as you just tried you know to put a more positive spin on it um what's what's the horizon like when so if it is the case that you could say um okay so vcs or companies or founders are just currently reassessing their Mm -hmm. options or 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 funding because maybe there was a funding frenzy or hiring frenzy which it kind of was like i think um Mm -hmm. uh, up to like six 
months ago ish you know you mm-hmm. could say six months ago was maybe the peak where companies were hiring salaries were blowing up and uh, companies were growing and saying like oh we're doubling in size tripling in size um and now you're slightly seeing a reassessment of that um uh in your personal opinion would you would you say like okay this it's only going to take a good three months six months to really get back to like a neutral state in hiring or is it i guess it's probably tough to to say you know Hard, hard to predict. There, there are so many factors that that go on that affect market dynamics, right? You know, like you can point to, to you know, the Russia-Ukraine situation as one of the mm. things that's uh, you know affecting market dynamics is is kind of removed as that may seem in in some senses. Uh, you just can't predict these things ultimately. Um, but I think what I would say, if, you know, if I was going to provide a, a little bit of optimism, is if you look at a lot of funds, a lot of VCs out there, they raised colossal amounts themselves, right, to invest. Like that money at some point needs to be invested. Um, so yes, uh, in terms of like how they invest that that money, things maybe need to settle a little, little bit. Um, but fundamentally, uh, you know, the show will go off. Like that, that is the way to look at it. And I can't give you like my prediction on, you know, whether that's going to be three, six, nine, 12 or 18 months. Like it, it, it's impossible to guess. But there are companies who are still raising. There are companies who are still hiring, and plenty of them as well. You know, I think I think our portfolio has over a thousand jobs that are currently being hired, and obviously in in different kind of sectors and verticals. Um, but like that's point nine alone. Think how many kind of VCs and funds there are out there across Europe, across the US. Like there are tons of jobs out there. I think is you know, as I said, I think it's just. Um, it's more eye-catching to focus on the, the doom and gloom of things. And I think that SaaS is probably like a, a pretty uh, safe place to be. Like companies always need software and, and and especially if they're intending on growing or starting up themselves. And I think that as we saw, you know, and this is referenced a lot with the Airbnbs and the likes of um, in, during the last downtime, like plenty of amazing companies also will be formed during this time and invested in and grow um, so the cycle, you know, to an extent, you can expect probably to to come around again. Again, not an investor, not something that I can, can claim to have like extensive knowledge on. Um, but I think if you look at the cycles and you look at actually what is going on out there and, and try and ignore some of the, the doom and gloom that gets posted, um, it's not all bad, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I agree with you. I'm on the same page. Uh, we're on the same boat. I'm on the same page with you. Basically, this is pure bro science, what I'm talking about mm-hmm. right now and my personal opinion. But um, maybe there's um, a silver lining to this where what you just kind of what you just said. So basically, companies are thinking very seriously about profitability and building a good, sustainable business. And companies that just didn't have that chance because just a weird business model that mm-hmm. eventually sooner or later was not going to work out um have to have to just close shop right and as unfortunate it uh, you know it's super unfortunate right because mm-hmm. this means people are are losing uh their their employment right but hopefully this means that in the future companies are going to think really hard about you know that uh, stability profitability sustainable growth uh piece so uh but yeah that's just my positive no, uh spin on completely that. i completely agree and look i think the more the more vcs out there that, that bring talent people into the mix for themselves as well to help advise founders the the more kind of 
is pertinent advice will be given to founders about how to grow sustainably like how do you think about your your head founder growth like how do you think about your prioritization how do you tie that to your budgets right and i think all of that stuff helps you to to think a little bit more strategically rather than just i think i need 10 ae so let's just go and hire them right like where's where's the kind of checks and balances there and i think the vcs do that to an extent but ultimately you know their experience is helping to to steer business in in many ways talent being one of them but most most investors you speak to will not claim to be experts on the talent side of things which is why increasingly they are hiring people from those backgrounds mm-hmm. to come in and help steer right as well as learn themselves right sure sure well on that note coming back to like uh talent experts and and how we can help businesses and i think as you as you mentioned maybe you're as as you're more on the strategic side of things right now uh, not sure if how much this applies to you but what would you say are things that talent experts you know if you're maybe not just a sourcer maybe just a talent partner head of talent or um you know a, uh, just a very strategic hiring partner to companies right to your own company mm-hmm. what can talent uh partners do in these times to 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 make sure they're still um so so a couple of scenarios let's say you're talking to candidates or stakeholders and mm-hmm. um a lot of people maybe candidates are anxious to make a move because mm-hmm. uh you know if there's economic uncertainty they'd rather stay where there are stay put and stay just you know almost wait to see what happens and where the economy goes or whatever it may be before making a move or let's say uh companies are slowing down on hiring so as a you know uh, with all these challenges right like what what can talent experts or partners do um to make sure you know that they're still getting candidates over the line or still um in a position where they can they can hire or 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 if there's a complete slowdown in hiring like obviously there's other ways you can still contribute like how what's your take on this you know and and these unusual times i think first and foremost one of the things that we're already seeing right and i think increasingly going to be seeing is candidates having a deeper regardless of level i think you see this more at leadership level but i think regardless of level you will see this increasingly so like a deeper interest in the financials of that business right like in terms of their funding like what's the runway what's the burn rate you know what's the headcount um growth plans all of that kind of stuff and how does that affect you know what's the path to profitability depending on where the company is and in terms of their funding stage and, and maturity so i think as a talent person there's a couple of things you have a right to know that stuff in my opinion um or or certainly at a high level have an understanding of what's going on there educate yourself on it right and be able to talk to candidates about that because you know fundamentally candidates are going to be worried about making that move as you said right maybe things are a little bit unsettled where they're at but maybe it's it's kind of a better the devil you know right rather than making that move and they're on the fence if you can have that kind of compelling conversation with them and and help them to understand actually that this is a, a stable or secure business i think you're far more likely to to close candidates in in that sense right so that's i think that's one thing i think you know if you can actually getting leadership and, and founders on the phone i mean that's that's kind of best practice anyway um and not always viable to be fair but for certain key positions like i think you need to have that engagement because it is a funny time i think increasingly so in the one of the things that i've certainly seen as a as a trend 
um, is obviously with the layoffs, and uh, this is quite weird when you think about some of the bigger companies that have laid off, is a lot of people have indexed towards like larger corporations for that that kind of um, perceived security, should we say, right? Depending on where you're at in your life stage, rather than going to startups because it's seen as uh, as riskier. But again, that depends on the funding, the runway, and, and numerous other factors as to actually, is that a perceived security or actual security, right? So uh, again, being able to talk about this stuff helps um, to direct people and, uh, and give them peace of mind in that. In terms of some of the other things, I think talent people can can be thinking about during this time. Look, if you are working for, for a business and, and some of your team has been affected, right, and laid off, and I think, you know, quite often you'll see companies where, um, the talent function is maybe segmented towards like tech product data, let's say, and then commercial hiring. Maybe you're having to take on some of the commercial hiring side of things and you've never done that. I think, you know, if I think back to my career a while ago um, and, you know, I had that sort of situation, I think I don't really want to hire account executives. If, if I'm being completely honest with you, like it's not my bag. I love hiring product people or, or, or engineers, um, but actually it's a, it's a huge opportunity for growth. And, as a negative as the situation is to see some of your teammates go, like try and look on, you know, take the positives out of that and see as a huge learning curve. And I think when you think about your career trajectory down the line, I'm talking less ahead of talent level, more at kind of the IC level. Um, but when you look at your career down the line and, you know, you're speaking to founders, maybe you want to go to a startup as a head of talent and you've had that exposure to working on both that go to market, go to market commercial side as well as the tech side. You're going to be so much more appealing to that founder than if you've just kind of stayed in your lane hiring engineers. You may be great at it, but like tech businesses need all sorts, right? And sometimes you don't have the resources to hire an entire entire team. So I guess those are a couple of things to uh to, to kind of think about. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that last point, especially. I mean, it's good not to, you know, it's good to almost be a T-shaped um I suppose recruiter to an extent, mm -hmm. right? Like have a specialty there, there more or less, but keep it on what mind and recruit for other opportunities and try not to mm -hmm. pigeonhole yourself too much into, oh, I just do tech, I just do mm -hmm. engineering or anything along those lines, right? Because otherwise you can still show that you have a broad skill set that you can fit in different roles and in different mm -hmm. um, uh, hiring disciplines and still be a good talent partner right um sure. yeah and i can agree with that the first point also around understanding your company's financials right i mean especially um i think it it kind of started around when pollen started to make uh redundancies mm -hmm. um where i think what was it again like in april they received like a series c of like how much 150 million something like that yeah. Uh, and then three months later, they just completely went bust. And I think that sort of flipped, flipped the switch on candidates a little bit and asking like those questions you asked and those topics you were mentioning, like, what's your runway? Um, yeah, no, are you profitable? What's your plan to becoming profitable? Uh, you know, what's your hiring plans? Uh, tell me about your financials and how do you see the, you know, these questions, like, how do you see the economy impacting, um, your, your company economic downturns? How resistant is your business model? to okay. economic downturns and i'm like whoa okay wait um i've gotta i gotta go brush up on my economics man, mm -hmm. because this is um 
Well, this candidates want answers, right? And as a recruiter, you sure. need to be in a position to to provide some some insight. So, uh, look, yeah, I mean, looking at at these sort of company financials and 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 being a flexible recruiter to an extent is something that you can that you can do to to make sure you're still you're you're still hiring and and getting candidates over the line. Um, well, look, on a final note, uh, Kim, uh, just wanted to. Check in with you. This is maybe a new segment I might introduce to to the end of every podcast. But look, any recent uh, articles, blogs, books, videos, um, you know, any new uh, resources that you've seen recently that you want to share with uh, listeners that you thought, hey, look, if you have time, read this blog or read this article that I saw or this book I'm reading. Could be could be something business oriented. Could be something just entertaining. Could be anything mm-hmm. at all. Like, what's a cool resource cool. that you'd like to share? Cool. I mean, look, I can't come on here and not plug the P9 blog, right? Um, so, <laughs> go, no, go. it's, it's, it look like, you know, the, the investors are, are super interesting and they write on like a range of topics. I write things on there as well, like the whole team do. Um, so definitely check that out. I think, especially if you're interested in SaaS as well. Uh, Christoph is one of the founders of Point Nine. is is highly regarded as one of the best SaaS investors in the world, right? So definitely worth looking at that. But anyway, plug aside from that, um, a few books. So I've been reading Zero to IPO, um, which is a really interesting book. Um, more, much more kind of from a founder perspective, but I think it just offers a different perspective. And for me, it's about getting in that headspace. And I think if you're working at a startup, actually, it's quite interesting to understand. Um, if you're interested in VC, there's Secrets of Sand Hill Road, which is an interesting book. And then also Done Deals is another book that you could look at. Outside of that, um, there's a book which is called Technical Recruiting and Hiring by Ozzy Osman. That sits on my desk all the time. Um, I think they update it uh, periodically. When you buy the hardback, you get uh, like the licensed deal online version, which is obviously updated. Um, it says technical recruiting. I think fundamentally lessons there um, applicable to to any area of hiring, um, and it's it's actually written and and kind of edited by various you know very successful talent leaders um, from very successful businesses so would highly recommend that one uh, regardless of where you are in your career i think it's an interesting read amazing so, well look entertainment stuff in there <laughs> oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's, we only do business stuff here you know it's all about the grit and uh you know the performance and the business just kidding no just yeah, kidding. Yeah. But, but look i fully agree i mean uh, and to be fair, thank you for plugging the uh, P9 blog because ultimately, I mean, we've been talking about informing our- ourselves on VC, on funding, on how companies grow and everything. So, you know, taking a look at uh, a blog from AVC, that could be a very interesting option to 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 sort of keep ourselves informed. Um, and at the same time, uh, I've heard about the Zero to IPO book uh, a couple of times. I mean, it's... Um, yeah, it seems kind of popular, so I might definitely see if it's on Audible. Maybe download it, see if I can read it, and uh, and we'll let you know uh, my thoughts on it. And and look, thank you for the recommendations. No worries, no worries, and uh, thanks for your time. It's been great to speak. Amazing. Hey, look, Kim. Thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure speaking with you. And hope till the next time.